0: Welcome to the Addicted Night, your one-stop podcast for all things Jane Austen. I'm Catherine, and in today's episode, we are continuing our in-depth look at historical events that happened during Jane's lifetime, and I'm going to be talking to you about Captain Cook. I had to be really careful then, like, the urge, my natural instinct is to say Captain Hook from Peter Pan. No. <laughs> I took a couple of takes. So, as with the American Revolution and War of Independence last week, a lot of what Captain Cook did predates Jane, but there is some crossover, which is why I'm going to be talking about him and his adventures. Also, Captain Cook is somebody that I find really, really interesting. He is a fascinating person. The things that he did, the things that he saw... I have just started reading his journals as well, so... I just find him so fascinating, so I'm really excited to talk to you about him. Now, a small disclaimer for this episode, we are going to be talking about colonialism as well. As with the slavery episode, just because I'm giving the facts as they were, does not mean that I condone any of those actions. It's a little ironic. Historians... I find, can be the most empathetic people you'll ever meet, because that's what we're trained to do. We're trained to understand history from people's point of view. But we also get dispassionate about things as well, because the easiest way to deal with horrific events is to just cut yourself off from them emotionally. So it may feel like I'm being a bit cold-hearted about these things when I'm saying these facts, but please... Believe me, I'm not condoning colonialism, and I'm just giving you the facts as they were. So that said, let's get into a little biography of Captain Cook. Now, he was born in 1728 in Yorkshire, so long before Jane was born, before even her parents were born. He's about a decade older than her parents. He was born into a farming family. They were quite a poor family, but he was very lucky until about the age of 12. His education was paid for by his father's employer. Potentially, the man saw some profit to be had in Cook being educated. So he's educated until the age of 12. Then he works on the farm with his father. So he gets very strong physically. He was a very tall man as well, quite an imposing figure. So the records say. And then once he's 18, he gets apprenticed by a ship owner who teaches him the ropes about sailing and about boating. (laughs) Those two things are probably the same thing, but you know what I mean. So he's apprenticed to the ship owner, and while that's happening, he decides that he's going to join the Navy, which he does in 1755. So he's quite a latecomer to the Navy. If you remember way back to our episodes about the Navy and about Jane's Brothers, young boys would usually join the Navy. As young as 11, they'd start in naval academies. So Cook was really late to the party. But he came through the ranks very, very quickly. He was a very good worker. And like I said, very imposing. He stood out quite a lot. And by the time he was 29, he was ship's master he was in charge of ships or a ship really (laughs) and he did a lot in the navy he was very active in the seven years war which we briefly talked about back in last week's episode about the american revolution because a lot of that happened on the american continent he served primarily in canada he saw action in the bay of biscay But his big victory was in Quebec, in Canada, and he was put in charge of a captured ship. He was the captain of this captured ship that the Navy wanted to keep. Back then, naval war wasn't about destroying the enemy ships necessarily, because all ships are useful. So if you could capture a ship, that was far better, because then you could use it for yourselves. And it also worked with, like espionage and things that you could send your french looking ship and the french people would assume that it was a french ship let them pass that was the plot of one of the hornblower stories i think (laughs) that exact thing happened except it was a spanish ship anyway uh, (laughs) back to cook so he saw action in the seven years war when he came back it was decided that he was going to be sent on scientific missions. He was a very intelligent man, and as he proved in Canada, he was a very good map maker. So when he was fighting in Canada, he would be drawing these maps of the coastline and where the French ships were and where the Americans were. And these maps were really detailed, amazingly detailed for the time. So they decide that they're going to send him on some exploratory missions. And the area that they send him to is the Pacific and particularly around Australia and New Zealand and this is why I find Cook so fascinating because I do love Australia and New Zealand and I love learning about the history of those countries so of course he is slap bang in the middle of that. So he had really three main exploratory voyages the first one was in 1768, or at least it started in 1768. These voyages go on for quite a few years because ships are slow. (laughs) It takes a while to get anywhere by ship, and Australia and New Zealand are quite far away from Britain, especially the route they had to take, because you'd think it would be shorter to go from, say, Bristol, on the west side of England, and then go down 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 and off round past the americas and down that way because it's closer that way but the way that the ocean's currents work it's better for the ships to go down down round spain round africa and that way so in terms of sailing it was easier but in terms of journey length it took a lot longer so yeah long expeditions he was away for quite a while So anyway, uh, first voyage, 1768, this occurred. The official reason for the voyage was because Venus was going to be passing before the sun. So kind of like a Venus eclipse, essentially. So Cook was sent off to Tahiti to go and observe this and make a note of it for the records and describe it for the scientific councils in Britain. That's the official reason, and that is something that he did do. He went to Tahiti and he saw this happen. But there was also a secret mission. This secret mission from the British government was to find the fabled southern continent. So at this point, a lot of Europeans believed that there was this extra continent, a mass of land down past Asia called Terra Australis. I suppose they weren't technically wrong since Australia is a continent, but Terra Australis, they thought it was just like another continent like Europe, like another just massive, massive land. So Cook was sent to go and find it, basically, because nobody had seen it. And Australia and New Zealand and that area hasn't been mapped really at all, so... Cook was sent to go and find this continent in the hopes of securing it for the British crown. Here we come to the colonialism. Of course, once he's seen Venus pass before the sun, Cook goes on to his mission. And of course, he doesn't find this continent, but he does find Australia and New Zealand and a lot of other islands around that area. And he starts to map them. He goes right up along the australian coast because you could you could believe really if you were a sailor in the georgian era you had no maps to go by and you suddenly come across australia it's like this huge landmass you are going to believe it's like this super continent that it just goes on forever but instead cook sort of goes around it to prove that it's not I mean, Australia is huge, so it's a big continent, but it's not this super continent that they thought it was, and that there were a lot of other islands and countries around Australia. So once he's done that, in 1771, he returns to Britain, and we are getting closer to Jane being born now as well. At least some of her brothers have been born by this point. So Cook comes back to England and they are just so impressed with what he's done mapping Australia and New Zealand and the other countries around that area. So they decide that they are going to send him on another voyage and once again it's back to this same area to do a lot more extensive mapping because this time... The first time it was just sort of a quick, yeah, it's not there, I can prove it. But we've been away for a long time, we want to come home. So (laughs) so this time they send him, that is the main focus of this expedition, is to map that area. So off he goes and he, this is 1772, he goes off to map Australia and New Zealand and the Great Barrier Reef. He does come into a little bit of trouble in the Great Barrier Reef, and his ship gets a bit damaged. But he does manage to fix it and carry on. And he makes some amazing maps of Australia and New Zealand. And while he's there, (laughs) you can hear by the side, we're coming to colonialism. He claims Australia, particularly Botany Bay, as part of the British Empire. So Australia is now a British colony. It sort of implied at the same time that they're declaring New Zealand a British colony, but that doesn't actually happen officially till a lot later. It seems that they thought that Australia was more important at that time in terms of what Britain needed. So they focus their attention on Australia, probably because it's just so huge. They're expecting a lot of resources out of this country slash continent. So he does his maps and he travels around claiming land, And in 1775, he returns home and we come to Jane being born. She's born, of course, in 1775 and we are into our timeline now that we usually deal with on this podcast. So before Jane is born, Cook has done two of his main exploratory scientific voyages. But arguably, it's his third that is the most interesting. And this is the one that happens while Jane is alive. Of course she is a baby so she's probably not going to register what's going on but his voyages do impact British society in quite a big way so it is important to to talk about them in this context. Now this third voyage that he makes it starts in 1776 and it's not necessarily the most interesting because of the places that he visits. Of course he does visit a lot of brilliant places he starts off trying to explore Antarctica unfortunately it is just too difficult at that point so they go off to find something else and he ends up exploring Tonga uh, Easter Island New Caledonia the Sandwich Islands and South Georgia so a lot of interesting countries but that's not the most interesting thing that happened on this voyage because it's the voyage where cook dies in 1779 cook and his team go to hawaii they go to hawaii for exploration for scientific research and they kind of make friends with the native hawaiians there is some kind of relationship between the ship's crew and the native hawaiians and they get what they need it's kind of like a pit stop in hawaii and they they get what they need and they set off but then they encounter some trouble and they have to come back into hawaii and this is where things get a bit interesting because it's there isn't a lot of primary sources about what happens next and there are a lot of different theories about what happens some of them more plausible some of them just well more racist really and i'm going to get into that because we're not exactly sure how it is that cook dies all we know is that the ship comes back into hawaii they settle down there's a bit of a skirmish and then cook ends up dead but there's no record of what actually happens Now, the most likely thing that happened was that Cook and his crew, they come back and there are just increased tensions between the crew and the Hawaiians. You know, the Hawaiians start taking things off Cook's ship. It's kind of a tradition that for allowing them to stay in Hawaii, they give presents to the Hawaiians. So the Hawaiians come and take things off the ship. The crew aren't happy. Apparently, Cook tries to take the chief Of the tribe that they're dealing with, he tries to take him hostage, and tensions are high, there is a skirmish, shots are fired, Hawaiians are killed, and it is most likely that Cook died in this skirmish. But because of the lack of of record about what happened, and because of the colonialist sense of superiority and lack of understanding about native cultures, There is another theory that has come about, and that is to do with a Hawaiian ritual that was probably happening around this time. The theory is that Cook was killed in some kind of religious sacrifice, that the Hawaiians saw him as a god, and killed him as part of a ritual from what we have on this theory it seems that her hawaiian year was sort of split in two and ruled by two separate gods and at each crossing over point the ruling god would be ritually sacrificed so that the next one could take his place and it sort of goes on like that in a great circle of sacrifice and ritual and tradition this story grows that the Hawaiians think that Cook is this god that needs to be sacrificed so that the next god can take over and the second half of the Hawaiian year can begin. And of course that is just hugely problematic and as I said pretty racist because one it is assuming that native peoples saw white people as gods which no (laughs) just no it really doesn't fit with the narrative of this ritual and this changing over i mean they'd already met cook by this point so if they thought he was a god they would have done something before then you know what i mean so no to that and the problem is we also don't have any sources from a hawaiian perspective either So why has this story come about? Well, racism, like I said. It's these colonialists coming in and portraying native peoples as inferior to the white colonists, in this case British people. And by doing that, they are proving that colonialism is a good idea because these people need to be, again, quote-unquote, civilised. So yeah, that's why this theory has come about. They wanted to justify colonialism, and this is a thing that happens so much when the British, but the Europeans in general, but British particularly, go exploring in this era. It's all about proving that colonialism is important and it is needed. If you want to really sort of understand this idea, I would recommend that you read a poem by Rudyard Kipling, the the man that wrote Jungle Book. is called The White Man's Burden. We're not sure if Kipling actually felt the way that he presents in this poem because it comes up with some pretty diabolical ideas. So we don't know if he actually felt that way or if he was sort of making a joke of it. But it really does highlight how colonialists felt. So if you want to understand the sort of mentality that's going on at this time, of course Kipling is a bit later, he's Victorian, but he does really sort of sum up how colonialists felt, so I recommend that you give that a read. So that's really the life and times of Captain Cook. He was an amazing cartographer, mapmaker, and he did some very important scientific work. He was able to map a lot of uncharted territory, and in in so doing, he discovered a lot of plants and animals, things that would really be useful to the British Empire Also, he was one of the first British captains to essentially eradicate scurvy from his ships. Now scurvy, as I said earlier, these ship journeys last for a long, long time. And in terms of resources and food for sailors, it's hard to keep things like fruit and vegetables that would go off really quickly because you'd have to eat them within the first week of the voyage or or not eat them at all and you can't really get a steady supply you can get some they'd make pit stops along the way and get some but really it wasn't good and by not eating these fruits and vegetables you develop scurvy which is a lack of vitamins that you get from the fruit and vegetables and it can make you really poorly and your teeth will fall out and your hair will go horribly brittle and just it it, it can kill people and it's really not good and it just plagues british ships at this time cook by the way that he feeds his crew and the techniques that he brings into ship life he is able to pretty much eradicate scurvy from his crew so it's a really important step in terms of sea travel at this point so he really did a lot of amazing work he did unfortunately lead to the colonialisation of australia and new zealand and the surrounding islands and countries and that's what we're going to talk about next week we're going to talk about the colonialisation of australia so i will see you then <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Addicted Austenite. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please do like and comment and all those lovely things that we podcasters love. And I will see you next time for a new episode. As ever, until then, happy reading. Your faithful servant, the author.